Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. I think we can all remember the first time we got our first meaningful watch. And those that who have been following this podcast will know that for Jack, it was the Rolex Yachtmaster, which seems so far away from what she's collecting now. And for Long Long, it was the J12, which I actually know you still wear from time to time. I'm right like, right in saying that, Long, you still wear it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, are you making fun of me? that's so right? sad well i think most people listening to the podcast don't wear a j12 so i think it's fine and uh for myself it was an omega seamaster um because of the link with james bond a link and perhaps the only link that i share with our guest today young win welcome to the show young win it's a pleasure to have you with us today oh well thank you for having me on this very very uh you know well-known podcast of yours well, I, I wouldn't the word say you're well known. <laughs> prestigious. Prestigious. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but prestigious might be the more appropriate word. Yeah. Prestigious indeed, yes. <laughs> so, um, right, I would like to know, I've obviously said, you know, James Bond made me buy the Seamaster, but why did you buy the Seamaster? Well, you know, the Seamaster being my first watch, right, it... Um, well, again, you know, the, the similarity between you and me, of course, would be the, the element of James Bond, you know, the very cool masculine figure, you know, the, the man himself that embodies every form of masculinity, right? So that particular watch to me was probably one of the coolest watches at that time. I mean, that's when I didn't know much about, you know, the, the world of horology, right? And it spoke to me. So back in 2015, was it the, the, the Spectre movie launched? And uh, they had the uh, the that limited edition Spectre limited edition, and I that, that was my first watch. And uh, to me, you know, it it was, it, I mean, it wasn't only like a utilitarian watch, but it also, you know, it paired pretty well with all the uh, the, the dark colored suits that James Bond wore in the movie, uh, and the entire uh, you know dark thematic type of uh, you know environment in the movie itself. So you know that that that, that drew me towards the the Seamaster at that time at that point in time. But um, then, of course, uh, if you look if you look closely at the watch, right, you have these small elements like uh, you know the lollipop hand, the second hand. Mm. You have um, certain details that you that you probably wouldn't find on the uh, the uh, you know the standard edition of that particular watch. And you know, I guess these little things just drew me towards buying. I mean, getting it as my first uh, proper expensive watch. Yeah. Okay. And uh, from that, how did your interest in watches grow? Because, you know, you just get, you get a watch, right? It doesn't mean that you keep buying. Like when, when did the second watch come? What grew that interest? Well, the second watch came, I think, um, well, so after getting the first watch, right, the Omega Seamaster, then you kind of dig deeper into the brand because you, you look through you know, you research more about the watch, you, you, you read more about your own, you know, your watch, or you, you know, of other people that and probably has the same watch as you. And 
you know, you, you just you just talk to them more about the watch. And I mean, for, for me personally, it was going deeper into the brand itself and the history of the brand Omega. And well, right after, I mean, after reading about the brand, I learned that, you know, well, apart from the Seamaster, which is a very, very classical, you know, a, a, an icon of the brand itself, I learned about this, the Speedmaster, the, the moon watch and everything, how it came about, you know, how, how, it, how it, you know, came to be one of the most, you know, the one of the most well-known chronographs in in the in the world of horolo- in the world of horology, and so that was my second watch. Yeah, that's how I learned about. I mean, that that's how I dug. You know, well, fell into the rabbit hole. Let's just say. Yeah. Can we like help our listeners kind of understand like Yongwen better? Because like I think when people hear his first watch is this, and the date of the movie, they're like, wait, how old is this guy so like do you mind sharing how old you are sure i'm actually 25 this year so yeah okay so Mm. my second question is because by the time i think i really like went through your collection online i was like okay this guy like um just went really quickly from seamaster to like you know paddocks right so yeah yeah. Okay, so you know when I got my J12, I thought the world of it. Like I actually thought it was cool. Like I really thought this is the best, even though there were other things. But in my mind, it was the best. So did you think the Seamaster was the best, or were you just like, okay, right now this is what I can afford? I I did actually. I I thought that Amigo was really one of the best brands in the history of okay. you know, of, of in, in, in the world of horology because you know the um well you know back then they they emphasized so much on the 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 you know the properties of anti-magnet anti-magnetism mm-hmm. and everything right and mm-hmm. apparently the aqua terra at that point of time was 15,000 more than 15,000 gauss right can send 15,000 mm-hmm. gauss and you know it was it was more than that of a you know mill gauss I was like, hey, you know, <laughs> and then, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and how does like, this apply to your daily life? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, back back yeah. then, I mean, I I was actually, st- I was about to study medicine, right? I actually want to become a doctor. Then, um, <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, you know, you, you go around, you know, the hospital, you you go around, you know, um, you, know you, you pass by machines that emit, you know, um, and you know, uh, you know, magnetism or whatever, which would of course yeah. affect the watch and everything, right? So then, of course, um, that automatically spoke to me in yeah. a certain way, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, nowadays, I think, I mean, I've 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 ventured into a different path most recently. Okay. You know, into business, so I don't think it really applies at this point of time anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have a question: How did you feel as you're reading about the brand, as you're reading about James Bond? You know this icon. In to be honest, most men—he's like the dream man that most men think is a dream man. Yeah. Like, would yeah. you say? You know, yeah, exactly. I don't think a lot what, of women actually. Wait, agree can you with explain that. it? Uh, yeah, but why? Why? That's so obvious. Yeah. He no, looks great. Okay. He looks great. Yeah, yeah. but I think the main thing is he's absolutely killer with the women. Yeah, Wait, and he's he? a spy, no, he and he has like unlimited, unlimited cash to to like play with boys' toys, like cars. No, alcohol, but he does. Wait, everything. hold on. I must like. I I think I need to like rewatch everything because I'm confused. Like the weapons and everything, it's like given to him, right, by the government. <laughs> it's funded by yeah, the government. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. So like, 
he's like on a contract to like perform a job right but which part of the movie shows that he actually has money like to buy this stuff well, i'm confused if you actually follow the movie yeah like yeah he, so if you watch skyfall you realize that he yeah. actually does come from wealth but he's orphaned right oh, but yeah. if, okay. if you're getting paid by the british government your bank account is basically limitless right and also it's that it's that element of traveling as well he travels all around the world um doing potentially you know little boys play with guns you know you know as they're growing up right and he's like got a gun and he's like shooting all these bad people it's just like a little man like not a little man but just every guy's dream you know of a man so that's why okay can, can we just can i just ask something random because we spoke about yeah. top one last time right so like if you had to choose like would guys want to be james bond or or would they want to be like Tom Cruise's character more? Okay, I personally James would Bond. go James Bond. Yeah, yeah. top down. Uh, hands down, James Bond. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I, I it's a bit, well, I wouldn't say a bit more, but quite a lot more class there with James Bond. Yeah, true. true. Okay, fine. Right. <laughs> so, I have a question. As you're reading about Omega and James Bond and everything, like mm. you must come across the fact that in the book, he doesn't wear an Omega. You know, he wears like, you know, in Fleming wrote that he was wearing a Rolex. In Fleming himself Rolex. wore a Rolex, yeah. Did you mm -hmm. feel like you were suckered by marketing? Suckered? I wouldn't say suckered. But then again, uh, well, it, it actually drew my attention to Rolex as well. You see, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And, and then my first Rolex was actually the Milgauss, you know, um, the Milgauss because, <laughs> yeah. Why After all that, I'm like completely. No, because oh. he goes on about this story about like not, oh, you right. know, he, yeah. Yeah, and then he says he got one. Yeah, but then it's nice, don't you think? Because then it's like you know for sure that you really wanted it, so you went back and you still had to get it. Isn't it yeah, nice? I, yeah, it is very nice. Because I mean, the, the thing that drew me about it was the uh, the the light bolt hand, of course, the uh, the green tinted sapphire crystal, right? So something mm -hmm. quite it's, it's i don't think any other watch brand has done i mean well back at that time I, at least i thought so you know the, mm -hmm. not many watches had this type of uh design or rather finishing and that that drew me towards you know getting that as my first uh, rolex watch and of mm -hmm. course you know back back then in 2016 most of the watches were i mean were readily available right Ap apart from like you know for example maybe the maybe some of the hulks and the hulks of mariners or whatever those kind of watches more sought after ones would of course be you know uh, unobtainable but then again you know these watches were readily available so i had lots of choices so but i picked that specific one yeah so i want to know just based on what you said before like the omega seems that is a very versatile watch for most people you know at the time when i guess when you liked it which was 16 um yeah it, a lot of people were wearing like uh, a lot of these sports watches with their suits, right? Because because of James Bond, actually, I think. Mm. But yeah. you know the Milgauss with its green tint and the way it looks with a bit of orange. Like, do you did you ever think like it's it's quite hard to match, like pair up? Um, I I wouldn't say so because um I opted for the uh, I opted for the the black dial, but then again, of course, it had the green tinted sapphire. 
uh, that that burst of orange on the lightning bolt hand, I think that was uh, well, you could see an element of contrast because I, I mean, I I mean, of course, I I studied a lot about Amiga before, and I looked at the other offerings that the brand had, and of course, you know, you had different variations of the Planet Ocean. And the Planet Ocean mm. was rather colorful at the same time. You know, you had orange, you had blue. You know, you had all kind. You know, you had all these kind of colors, and I thought that the male girls was. Yes, I mean the green, the, the green tinted sapphire and the lightning bolt. I guess those are the two types of uh, uh, elements of the watch that gave it a bit more character. So, okay, I just want to move on to this next question of mine, which is, you started your watch journey at sixteen, and do you think the barrier for more sixteen-year-olds to get into this hobby is mostly financial? Or do you think there are other obstacles that are in the way of like more 16 year olds getting into watches? I think it really depends on the on the brand itself. But of course, um, if you're talking about the financial side, right, um, again, it links with the brand, which whichever brand that you pick, right? I mean, there's so many offerings now, uh, there are micro brands or, you know, uh, for example, brands that are, you know, I mean, People can afford, like, I mean, let's just say um, an average person, you know, like uh, probably a college student or maybe a uni student, you know, they, they, um, I mean, if they can, I mean, if they could get a smartphone, right, at that kind of price point, you could also get like a, a proper mechanical watch, right? So I guess it's all about the, the, let's just say the brand itself that you pick, I think. Um, for me personally, last time, I mean, I, I never wore watches until I wore an Apple Watch. And the Apple Watch um, was actually like the gateway into, you know, getting, me, getting into that habit of wearing a watch. And because of that, then I got a, then I got a mechanical watch. So I, I think um, it's mainly the, uh, the, the, the brand, I would say. You know, that's the only... I mean, I, mean, so fi I mean, financially, I guess you could say there would be an obstacle there, but yeah, um, I guess the brand again. Um, I guess that 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 cons that consideration of choosing a brand would also, uh, you know, uh, determine the the kind of watch that you uh, you know that you get in the end. I know at the okay. at the end of the day, it's your first watch. I, I, you know that. Yeah. I know what you're you saying. I've got two, yeah. two questions from your answer mm -hmm. there. So the first question is, is like, yeah, I appreciate that there are many more entry level watches potentially related to a person's like income, right? So like you said, micro brands and stuff. Yeah. But one thing micro brands don't have is a huge marketing budget like Omega, where they can like, uh, you know, like basically just advertise James Bond or, you know, the moon watch or something like this. And so without that advertising like power, you know, there could be their buyers, but they can't reach the buyers like Omega. So the starting point for, you know, I think for people getting into watches is usually like Tag Heuer, which is slightly more affordable, Longines and uh, Omega, actually. Right. So but there's always that like entry level. And we forget sometimes that for for most people, you know, spending at the, you know 1500 pounds or 2000 pounds on a watch is a lot of money, you know, like yeah. for, for, for a lot of people, you know, for the majority of people, you know, especially if you don't understand it, you know, if you don't understand why it's worth like 2000 pounds. Right. So 
that that's my first thing. And the second thing is you mentioned about the Apple Watch. So yeah. what made like I appreciate that got you wearing something on the wrist, but what made you think you wanted a mechanical watch? Because they're very different product propositions, you know, because an Apple Watch can do a lot, you know, daily wise. I mean, just steps, you know, it's great, but your mechanical watch is totally different. So what made you want to wear that? I guess what, what drew me towards, you know, the Apple Watch, just saying, was the, uh, I guess, was design. Then, then of course, because, well, the Apple Watch itself, when you, I mean, when it was first introduced, right, the, I mean, of course, everything inside is, uh, it's, it's a smart watch, right? It's not a mechanical watch, but the, the engineering and the craftsmanship towards, you know, um, getting, you know, all, all of those functions into that tiny little space. It, I guess you could say it links in a certain way to um, me choosing a mechanical watch. Well, I, mean, I, I guess it, it was the design that drew me towards buying that particular watch. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it was mainly the design before before I really you know educated myself on in the world of horology. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. Yeah, um, go for it. Yeah. I'm gonna. It's not gonna really make sense, but I'm gonna try and explain it. Okay, okay, so I, and I know whatever I'm about to say, a lot of people are going to get pissed off, but I always say that the watch needs to be a certain price point for me to feel something. Otherwise, I won't, mm. won't wear it. And I know it just sounds like I'm just like very like superficial, don't really appreciate watches, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But at the end of the day, everyone buys watches and wears them for different reasons. And for me, I need to feel something, right? And if I don't feel it, because that thing is cheaper than maybe my clothes, then I will kind of be like, well, what's the point if I can't feel anything when I wear it? Mm. Um, so I know you're super into like fashion as well. And you obviously like get your clothes tailored and like made to measure and so on. So yep. like, I guess my question is, um has it ever crossed your mind like like do you have the same considerations as me as in you need to feel something with the watch and as much as it sounds bad like the watch needs to cost a certain price for you to feel like you worked for it you saved up for it and then you kind of chased after it then you got it yeah i, I guess i i i totally understand what you're trying to what you're trying to say or ask but uh, for mm -hmm. me, like I'd say, when I started my journey into in, into collecting watches, right, like I I think I couldn't fully, or I, I didn't I didn't really know much about the uh, let's just say the finishing of the movement of the watch, or let's just say the uh, the you know finish finishings and uh, the uh, functions and all those kind of things. I I just thought that you know to me at that point in time, simplicity was probably the best type of uh, you know. Um, or design for me, you know, or style of the watch. Then, of course, um, as you as you fall deeper into the rabbit hole, you know, into the world of horology, then then of course you you uh, you pick out the finer the finer types of uh, you know brands or models. And of course, that would of course cost more than say an Amiga. Let's just say, you know, I I you know, so I got Amiga, then Rolex, then you you, you go up to uh, you know Panerai, then. Uh, Audemars Piguet, then then a Patek, right? So, um, as you collect through, I mean, through the 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 months of the years, you you would of course, you know, carry a 
a magnifying loop and you would of course you know when you do have free time you would uh, you know just closely examine the the watch movement and all and you know, i guess you you learn from you really learn from uh, from the collecting phase and you you kind of figure out what you really like and what you don't and uh, i guess at this point of time i mean at this point of time uh, i've been collecting for you know more than 7 years now and I've, i i think i figured out what i really like and what really speaks to me yeah so i guess it's the it's the journey for me yeah um do any of omega sells people listen to this <laughs> Uh, they do they do they get um uh, well they don't have anything else to say other than uh, than to promote uh well the new lines i guess of uh, products that they have to offer yeah well you kind of hinted that the next question which was like you know you said you kind of know what you like now after 7 years of collecting or after 7 years what do you like mm. i think um I think to me uh well first and foremost I'd say it's it, it will of course be um I buy whatever I whatever I like or whatever I see right but then again um if we're talking about high horology and like fine watch making then of course I guess uh watches that have very very unique designs and uh just you know just immaculate finishing on the movement you know like you have your anglage you have your you know you even stripes where you have your you know black polish you have you know these little elements all these little elements that 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 really that really collectively give you that 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 masterpiece but again of course um for me what well, the front has to look really nice as well so it has to it has to have a really really nice dial i think the dial finishing again um that's something i really look for in a watch um whether it's kiloche sunburst you know um Yeah, you know, just a matte dial, just a plain matte dial, a, a lacquered dial, enamel dial, whatever. Just, just as long as, or just as long as my brain knows how to appreciate it. Yeah, that's all that really matters. Do you okay. like like watches? Like, how can I say? Okay, so you mentioned design, right? So the first thing that came to mind was Cartier. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, amazing design, uh, especially that vintage stuff. But maybe a lot of collectors would say that the movement finishing or the movement isn't, yeah. you know, on par with the design. You know, is that a deal breaker for you? Uh, no, actually. I mean, um, I, you know, despite despite the fact that you know people people have lots of hate for brands, for example, like you know, like Hublot or Frank Mueller, these kind of brands, you know, but. Um, I do have these, I mean I have watches from these brands as well and um because only because I like um, how it looks you see the uh, the the dial design like for example of the, the Frank Mueller should... sorry what Frank Mueller Hmm Frank Mueller is in you see the thing is um I I got it because because of the well the Galoche dial you know of the particular watch the 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 Curvex you know the Curvex that that was one of the one of the first frank miller that i that i actually got in my collection and i liked it because of the uh, well the you know the type of hand that they had the, the galoche dial the the type of uh, the typography and just 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 basically in general like i just i just liked 
the way the the front looks. That's all. Just I guess mainly the design that drew me into the in, into buying that particular watch. So what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, um, I pay attention to the to the design and not. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a whole masterpiece. Like you know, for example, um, so finishing as uh, in the in the entire watch doesn't have to be perfect to me as long as I like it and you know as long as I like it and the, the the design speaks to me i guess it's uh yeah it's it it, it suffice it, it it you know it suffices really it, it's more than sufficient yeah okay like i'm i'm picking on things like because that's privately i've spoken to you and you said you're actually like really into the dials right that's that's like yeah really important thing. so yeah immediately i'm thinking you know grand seiko moser oh my god you know did she ask him about grand seiko No, not yet. So, okay like, for Grand Seiko, they produce lots and lots of limited edition uh, dials, even on like a, their presage line, right? They have that Shippo enamel stuff going on there. And Moser, you know, is really, I think, dial different, lots of different dials, sunburst, everything. You know, are they like leading brands in, in your collection? Uh, wouldn't say prominent, but then again, I have one of each. You know, I have the uh, well for Grand Seiko, I have the you know the very classic snowflake. You know, the uh, and of course for Moser, it's the it's just the Ondervoise second center seconds hand in the in the Blue Lagoon dial, and uh, that's it really. But for, for me, I guess um, because of the manufacturer visit um, back in twenty seventeen when I went to Patek Philippe. I mean, to Patek Philippe's manufacture visit, uh, I I I basically witnessed the um, or dial dial manufacturing in um, in the part of Switzerland uh, in this manufacturer called Don's Kadra, Don's Kadra. That's um, it's it's yeah. So that, that's where most of the uh, the rare handcraft dials are made for for quite a lot of brands. I mean, even, I mean we're talking Ulysse Nardin as well. Um, you know, other notable brands. You know, and um, I guess for me, um, I, I guess I'm 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 drawn towards certain brands, uh, for example, Patek Philippe, or you know, um, even independent brands like you know Dubithune, uh, even brands like let's just say you know Audemars Piguet, all these type of um, watches, right? I. I I guess I would I I I would of course appreciate more in terms of how it's in in terms of the the whole design layout I guess as as opposed to like for example Moser being a bit more of like a I mean it it's quite quite very minimalistic I would say you know because it it's just a sing it's it's just a singular kind of color but of course I get the you know the sunburst finishing and everything being you know superbly executed. Then of course, Grand Seiko. Uh, yes, you know you have different types of uh, techniques. For example, the you know, the reason I got the snowflake dial uh, was because of uh, well, I learned about how how the dial is being made. You see, different layers to create that uh, that particular uh, you know snowflake texture. Yeah. And I guess the the process of how the dial is manufactured as well, the the craftsmanship behind it. That's something that. That speaks to me as well when I when I decide in you know in, in purchasing a watch, uh, yeah, or rather you know just going through a dial before purchasing a watch rather yeah.
When did you mm. when did you get your first patek? Got my first patek in well, twenty eighteen. It was a fifty seven twelve one A, so a stainless steel five seven one two. Yeah. Okay, so you uh, quickly amassed, you know, uh, lots of pateks. You really, really bought into the brand. I believe you're you're like a you know one of the like VIPs in the brand. Am, am I right? Uh yeah I I I yeah I would say so yes. Yeah. So Pateks aren't cheap, you know. Yeah. So do you find that you know a lot of brands you you don't consider because you want to put the budget towards Patek? In a way, yeah, because you see, um, well. I guess Patek in, in, in my mind, well, before, of course, before getting into independence and most of the other brands, uh, Patek was, you know, is, is often seen as probably the, the gold standard of, uh, you know, of, you know, high-end, like top high-end luxury watches, like super fine watches, you know, uh, and I guess I drew most of my attention to Patek uh, in that, in that period from 2017. From 2018 to 20, the end of 2017 to to about 2019, before the pandemic, of course, and um, I amassed quite a bit of uh, yeah pieces from Patek, and I learned a lot about the brand. I've had you know I go to most of the most of the uh, the watch events, visited the manufacturer. I've you know I've personally met Philips himself, the father and father of Theory, and of course Theory himself. And um, I guess I got I got sucked into the brand, yeah. And yeah, I guess I obtained lots and lots and lots of uh, pieces of the brand, yeah. Are we so not gonna ask... mention your tattoo? <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, I well, I, I'd say that the color travel tattoo that I have um, on my arm. Um, it wasn't because I. It, it isn't. I mean, it, it isn't purely because I like the brand. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's not because of the brand itself, but but rather what it stands for. Well, before Patek even used the color Trava um, emblem, um, well, it basically signified nobility and chivalry. Something that I feel is um, lost these days in the modern times, and th that is something I f I firmly believe in. Uh, yeah. That's why I got it. <laughs> okay. The color dropper tattoo. Yeah. I didn't even know you had one. You're gonna have to show me that before you get off air later. Thank you very much. For sure. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> but as uh, someone that has been on the manufacturer tour, I have never been. I'm, I don't think Longman has been. What's it like? I've been to the AP one, but I'm sure it's night and day, like compared to Paddock. I think it'll be a different experience. Right. Um, yeah. So, of course, the uh, so the the, the Patek manu uh, manufacturer visit, right? It's um it's co-hosted by a retailer. So, mm. uh, of course, for me it was the Hourglass. It's mm. co-hosted by the Hourglass, and of course, uh, that was of course the first time I met you know Michael Tay, uh, and uh, you know a few others. Uh, so, for example, uh, Narun from uh, PMT Hourglass. You know, because it was a it was a collective kind of visit from you know um. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have VIP clients from, you know, most Southeast Asian countries, you know, you have Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia. And, um, you know, it, it was a great time. You know, we, we really bonded, uh, you know, with, with everyone, you know, um, 
despite our nationalities. And it was just based on one particular hobby, you know, just watches really. And um, okay, so how it's like is they, uh, they of course, you know, uh, give you one of the best accommodations there. That would be, of course, La Reserve Hotel, Geneva. Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, there'd be a schedule set up for the next four days. You'd be taken to various, you know, um, various parts of, uh, you know, probably the outer skirts of uh, Geneva or, you know, uh, or in Geneva itself. Be taken into the, the history uh, of Patek. So you'd be, you know, you'd be brought to the salon first. They'd show you the Grandmaster Chime. Then, of course, they would, uh, you know, that wine, you know, find behind wine you. Then they'd bring you to the, uh, the down factory, uh, the, the gem setting sector part. And you know the case making part, the dial making part, and you know it's 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 a very interactive type of uh, manufacturer visit as well. I guess the, the the most memorable part of the visit itself was of course meeting Mr. Philip Stern himself, uh, because he's there once every two weeks, and we happen to be there at the manufacturer itself on the day he was there, and um, it was it was really great meeting him. You know he. Uh, very very down to earth man. You know he's, um, I mean, a, a bit of course less hands on, as most of the you know, operations, uh, designs, projects are led by his son Theory. Uh, but overall, I'd say um, the manufacturer visit. Well, I mean, in, in fact, it was my first uh, watch manufacturer uh, visit. You know, among all yeah. brands. Yeah, yeah. So that was a great first experience. Yeah. So. So does that mean any subsequent one is just going to be absolutely crap? Yeah, right. correct. I mean, I wouldn't say absolutely crap, but the most uh, politically correct way would, of course, be, uh, I guess, um, less flamboyant. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Philip Stern, right? After everything you've read about Patek, you know, what was it actually like to? really meet him is he very different to any preconceptions you had or even thierry uh not so much actually i mean he was rather friendly i mean he was just sat inside his office and we had a little glimpse of him before i actually decided to um or barge in and uh, really just say hello mr philipstern morning can i have a <laughs> with you and have a little chat with you but of course he um we didn't we didn't speak much it was just uh, a few minutes of his time, like five, five to ten minutes, I think, and then we had to be off to the, uh, the, the case making uh, part of the manufacture. Yeah, but, but he was a very, um, like I said, a very gentle, down to earth guy. You know, he, very, very cheerful. I guess um, when he sees that, you know, um, people as young as me, you know, at that at that point in time, I was uh, I was seventeen, eight, uh, seventeen to eighteen years old, and. You know, the fact that he knows that, you know, young people like me knows how, I mean, know how to appreciate such high-level, you know, high-level craftsmanship uh, watches, right? Then, of course, um, I guess it brings a smile to his face, yeah. Okay. Do you, like, right. can I just ask quickly about the age thing? Like, um, yeah. when you were getting into it, your friends knew about you getting into watches, right? Yeah. And... What were they getting into, and then what did they say about your watches? Uh, well, they knew about it, um, but of course, none of them. I mean, I was, I was like one hundred percent, like all in. 
for me. I mean, it was I mean, but at that point in time, it was it was just watches for me. I, I didn't care about anything else. But for my friends, uh, I guess it took quite a while for them to really. I mean, of course, they they knew that these things were really really, uh, you know, nice or I mean, as they put it, nice or be like, oh wow, you know, looks very expensive. Uh, yeah, but I guess. Um, it took a while for them to really know about um, such watches. I, I think only after the pandemic, they most of them really started getting into into watches. But before that, uh, I, I guess they didn't really have much interest. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was that, I think in that age, um, I started bonding more with people older than me. So mm-hmm. you know, uh, late twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy you didn't say I started bonding with people a lot older than me, like Daniel. I, I'm so glad you didn't say that. Not that old. He did his 40s. So kind of you, Lung. So kind of you. Thank you so much. Um, right. Since we've got like a VIP palette collector here, right? I do want to ask to become a VIP, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, you know, he must have spent like, a crap ton, like so much at Patek, right? That's why he he's a VIP, yeah. right? And I guess there probably is some truth to that. And if there is some truth to that, like, do you find yourself having to buy pieces you don't like, right? Or don't like that much just to keep buying to one, like get that status and to maintain that status? Uh. Well, I, I, I guess um, at the start, I, I wouldn't say that I had to, but um, uh, I guess they, they, I mean, it depends on the retailer as well, the, the, the retailer that you're buying from. But um, a lot of retailers, especially after the pandemic, right, um, uh, they emphasize on the journey, you know, the horological journey. So... Technically, they're asking you to buy stuff that you don't really like, or maybe the more undesirable pieces in order to to get the pieces that are supposedly better looking or more desirable. But for me, back then, you see, um, back then in 2017 and 2018, just pre pre pandemic, um, most of the watches weren't. I mean, most of the watches. I mean, apart from the Aquanaut and Nautilus craze. Uh, that started in what the what, sometime in 2018. Before that, um, most of them were like readily available. Like you could get most things, and I guess you really had a. I guess you, they didn't really force you to buy things that you didn't like or didn't really like. But I guess it was about um, the brand knowing more about the the, the clientele, um, whether the this this particular client knows how to appreciate. Watches not only in one, uh, not I mean not only in one particular collection of the brand, but also other collections as well. Um, and the thing is, um, yeah, I mean, well, let's just say a, a very very rich person could probably buy everything off the shelf um, over time, but uh, but money can't buy, uh, you know, the appreci- the, the the ability to appreciate craftsmanship. And uh, the the interest the intricacy of uh, you know of of that particular watch. So um, I guess the brand really is looking for people 
I mean, the brand is really looking for people that uh, or clients that that really know how to appreciate the watch and the brand, but also um, uh, know what they're really buying as well. So I wouldn't say um, because you see that there's um, apart from the the salon in Geneva or maybe the other uh, principal points of sale of Patek around the world, like you know most of the most of the POSs around the world are, uh, are like, you know, um, are, you know, Patek basically working with an authorized dealer itself. Like, for example, you know, um, in, in, in Asia, we have, you know, uh, Cortina watch, we have the Hourglass, we have Emperor. So these kind of, these kind of uh, companies, right, I guess, um, yeah, it, it really depends on which, which company you buy from. I'm I'm not gonna state any names. I've I've had, I've had um quite a bit of, you know um bad experiences from uh, a few other companies in the past, which is why I stick to one now. But um, I personally think that um, Patek themselves, I mean, being a being being the brand itself, they they're really looking for and they really um. They really appreciate clients that know how to, uh, you know, f- that that fully understand and appreciate most of the, the most of the, uh, the you know, the brand's motto. Let's just put it the brand's motto and uh, the the history of the brand, the craftsmanship. Uh, these kind of things, I think, are probably more crucial to the brand. Yeah. Okay. I was I was a, I was a bit long. I was a bit long winded there, but then again, yeah. Mm. yeah. Can you? Sorry. No, no, no. I wanna, I wanna know about the bad experience. So mm. I just have like a good gauge in terms of like what is bad experience in Malaysia. Right. So bad experience would be <clears throat> to to being coaxed into buying something undesirable, and uh, with the promise of that particular dealer. Uh, you know, um, giving you, allocating you a very, very desirable piece, something like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the 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 dealer themselves um, doesn't fulfill that promise. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's a very interesting choice of words there because, like you said, cokes, and that's almost like exactly how they do it, isn't it? Because a lot of things mm. with these pieces, even if they do allocate it to you, you don't even know when you're going to get it. So they can keep kind of quote stringing you along. Right? They In never, they never, nobody ever tells you you can't get it. They don't say it like that, right? Yeah, precisely. Um, and because of that experience, um, well, I was promised the piece you see last time. I mean. Last time, I, I guess I, I asked for like, a, I mean, that was when, I mean, too bad. That was already that Nautilus craze, that 57, 11, 57, 12 craze. And all I wanted was just, you know, 57, uh, 57, 11. Um, and, you know, just in, in, in stainless steel, because, um, oh, so I, that's one of the main, I mean, simple watches that I wanted, like, like, like a daily I wouldn't say daily beater, but one of those daily watches that you'd wear, because uh, it was a, you know, it's a more, you know, sporty looking, but yet elegant in a way. Uh, but 
yeah, so I was promised that by one by one dealer, and of course you, you know, you buy the undesirable pieces, you know, that they they somehow offer to you, and uh, of course, you know, um, it, it, I mean, watches, I mean, it, it doesn't mean they 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 offer you, you know, pieces from Patek that are undesirable. They give you a choice, or they offer you pieces from other brands, you know, that they can't that they can't really sell, and of course. You support them, you know. Support them, quote support them. Um, but I guess that particular dealer didn't, you know, didn't promise, didn't keep to their promise, and of course, uh, yeah, it it kind of pissed me off. And I never bought from that dealer again. But but then again, here I am with a with a very very great, um, you know, uh, dealer that I buy from now, the Hourglass, and uh, I'm quite grateful. I have friends in the Hourglass that. That um, can of course uh, make my watch dreams come true, <laughs> in a way. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna um, finish off this interview with you, which is you know you've you've already gone through like most of the Pateks that most people have, that or even they dream to have. You know. Yeah. Um, are you running out? What's the next phase of your journey? Uh. Running out, yeah, I guess you could say running out. Um, but running out, I mean, I mean, every year Patek, um, you know, produces you know new models or you know other brands. I'm mean, not just Patek, but um, for Patek, the thing about Patek is they they have the the rare handcrafts, the rare handcrafts uh section, which is you know allocated only to the the most valuable clients. And for me, um, the rare handcraft section is, you know, the embodiment of, uh, you know, art, horology, as well as, uh, you, know, ex ex you know, just intricate craftsmanship. And for me, you know, even just getting one piece a year from Patek, that is a rare handcraft. I think it's more than sufficient because you can, honestly, like, it's, it's a piece of art. Like, for example, one of those, you know, the, the enamel dial watches. Uh, that Patek produces as a rare handcraft uh, piece. They, you know, it's, it's 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 like a piece of art in a piece of art. So it's like a, it's um. I guess you could stare at it for like for the longest time and really not be bored of it. You know, because I've I've worn my I've worn my rare handcraft pieces for like you know for 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 you know a few days straight and I I just don't get bored of it all. You know, um. But, uh, I'd say, I'd say that um, you know. Running out, um, in a way, yes, you are right. Um, things are getting a little repetitive for some brands, you know. Um, and sometimes I look, I look back at the, I look back at the in the past, you know, for pe for for pieces that uh, pre uh, that brands used to produce. And I feel like um, I have, um, I've actually gained a certain attraction to, to 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 those new vintage pieces like from the early 2000s mid 2000s from that Patek made you know as opposed to the new modern ones because I feel like I've I've collected modern watches you know all my life I haven't I haven't really collected pieces I mean vintage pieces or even new vintage so I, I think I'm probably straying um, a little bit more now to the new vintage side. I think I'm I'm exploring. I wouldn't say I'm straying, but I'm exploring. Um, but then again, of course, I wouldn't I wouldn't drop that uh, that 
enthusiasm for modern Pateks or modern, you know, um, uh, watches from other brands, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I guess that, that, that exploration of neo vintage or probably even vintage would, uh, you know, um, uh, fill out that little puzzle piece. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame that Jack isn't on the call, right? Because she's roughly about the same age as you. And if there's anybody to get you into the neo-vintage stroke vintage hole, yeah, she's the one. Like, literally, I bet, because I can I can obviously see your enthusiasm for watches, right? And, yeah. you know, it's genuine. So, if you, if I put you in a room with one her, day. Yeah, it would be crazy. Definitely me one day. And yeah. her to bring her pieces out. Because she's mostly, aside from Richard Mille, is mostly vintage and true vintage, but also like near vintage as well. But she has a hard time like seeing the aesthetics the same way in the modern catalog mm. of watches. But yeah, it'd be yeah. great if we could to meet her. And and just to like finish off, like, because I think this is probably a, such a probing question from people that follow you on Instagram, which is mostly you know, just images and people make their minds up on, on someone very quickly. Um, and certainly it was on what well, I thought about it, I have to be honest, which is as a 16 year old, yeah, I get you that you got an Omega, fair enough. But to basically be a paddock VIP at 17 years old, you know, a lot of people will be wondering how you afford these things. And to be fair, cynical, you know, eyes full of like green envy and say, yeah, it's probably just another wealthy kid living off his parents, pretending like he made his money, right? What do you have to say to that? Of course, I, I, I do know that people would have, that definitely have this, this, this burning question of how I amass all these watches, right? And of course, um, I, it, 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 it really, it really, you know, stems down to that, that point in time in my teenage years where my, my, my parents gave me that sum of, that, that sum of money, you know, as, as a starting capital. And of course, they told me to manage it wisely, right? Uh, use it wisely, manage it wisely, and I, I, I did really. I mean, I, I, uh, I managed my funds wisely. I, I invest in certain things. I, I started up my own company, which I'm managing right now. Um, and yeah, that's I guess that's how, I, um, that's how I that that's how I amass all these watches that I have. That, that I um that I own now in my collection. That's how I that's how I do it really. Pretty simple. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wish it was that simple for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean I don't uh, I mean um something interesting is that I don't I don't I don't club at all. I don't I don't party. I uh, I I don't do I don't do these kind of things. So in that sense I I purely invest in things that I feel would give me returns uh and so that's what i did you know whereas um well, some of my friends of course uh i guess uh, they didn't really manage most of their funds um in the most wise way they they party quite a bit back i mean they party quite a bit a bit back then they uh you know yeah so i guess i was fully i was fully you know um, committed into um, investing in things that would give me you know high you know uh, high ROIs, really. You know. Okay, I guess uh, we'll have to talk after this phone call. For sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. We're going to the reverse round now, young one. So, what questions do you have lined up for us? Okay. So, 
for you, right? I mean, for, I um, I understand that you have children, right? You're married and you have mm -hmm. children. So, yeah. um, you know, and and you having your own collection of uh, you know of of watches, of one of which that I saw most recently, of course, would be your trusty datograph, you know, from Langer. Mm -hmm. Uh, so. Interesting thing I want to ask. Uh, how would you decide which watch to um, pass down to your um, either one of your children next time? Oh. As a father. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Mm. I guess... I guess... The thing is, right, I wouldn't want to pass down a watch that they would never wear. Yeah. So, you know... Yeah, I work at Philips, so I see a lot of actually this this issue where, you know, a person amasses a lot of watches, realizes the second generation is not actually interested in the watches, yeah, and then liquidates before because he knows that's what that's what the other the second generation going to do anyway, right? They're going to liquidate it and take the cash because the watches, you know, you don't want to pass your collection to somebody and actually for them not to appreciate it and actually be a burden for them. And all they're seeing is like cash, for example. So if they weren't interested, I would actually appreciate the journey that watches had brought for me. Realize, you know, I'm coming to the later part of my life. That doesn't mean so much to me now. I've enjoyed that process and may even just sell the pieces. But I would probably take them to my watch collection at the time and say, okay, look, I have these pieces. Maybe you can have like one. You know, which one would you like? Because then I would always want them to like it, you see. And I do see the essence of it representing me in some way, right? How they know me, because they they know how much watches mean to me. So to have sure. a single piece, you know, if you have loads of pieces, it almost takes it away, doesn't it? Like just that really special one where everything is signified in one single piece, right? So I think mm. that would be quite interesting to do and yeah so i'd probably let them pick rather than picking for them what if both of them pick the same watch and we're gonna do i'll have to go and find let's try and source that that, that the watch same one. um i guess i'd have to let them figure it out and also them being obviously related i guess they can you know swap from time to time you know but yeah you know, oh. you know i do tend to share <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Good answer. Good answer. Now we move on to uh, the question that I have for Long Long. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, when you do, you, I mean, when when you choose um, a partner, right? Uh, in terms of uh, dating. Oh, I didn't see you, that one coming. <laughs> yeah, well, no one ever sees. No one ever sees anything coming when I when I ask something. But uh, anyway. Um, yeah, when it comes to dating, right, for you, would yeah. you only date someone who uh, is, of course, uh, or rather has some knowledge of watches, or um, is that something very, very important to you? No, 100% no. Like, um, someone I used to date didn't own a single watch at all. And I actually find it super fun to, like, go through the journey with them. But what I do care about, which is like a deal breaker for me, is uh, someone that's judgmental about where I spent my money. So I don't want to ever feel bad for like spending money on watches. 
So I think if somebody spends money on like, um, I don't know, like all their money on something that I don't really understand. So maybe like paintbrushes or something or like horses. Right. I just I want to respect that it's what they like. Right. So I want the same. And so with watches, um, I think you just have to be like the guy needs to be open minded. And then I think generally people who like you, they, they will try to understand what you're into anyways. So if a guy was into like, I don't know, whiskey, then I'll try and get into it as well. So yeah, he doesn't mm. need to have any knowledge. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. I mean, a, a little follow up question because um, well, we had a chat last mm -hmm. time, and uh, we, uh, I mean, I know what you do, you know, for a living. Uh, so mm -hmm. as you know, as a woman in a in a traditionally you know male dominated field, right? Uh, have mm -hmm. you faced any like you know I don't know unique challenges or any ex any experiences that you uh, you know any any of that? Yeah, I mean. Uh, I definitely, especially because my clients are from mainland. Um, I mean, even on a daily basis, if I wear a watch, I'm wearing long sleeves to cover the fact that I'm wearing one. Mm. And then um, I generally, or I will wear an Apple watch and then pack my watch. And then when I leave the office, then I put it on because the people in the office are all older than me and they're, mm. General, there's only two girls everyone's a guy right so that's the first thing at work and in general when I talk to clients it's a lot of like talking down to me I guess a lot of like oh like you haven't seen the world you don't understand this you don't understand that but I think that's like part of life like you just have to um like I feel like everyone has a boss so you have to like always yeah. you know listen to somebody like you know bow down to somebody so working with somebody yeah i can i can take it yeah i can take it because it's just work right yeah right okay okay got it right we're now going to the last yeah. round young one the pump pusher round okay. okay you ready ready all right number one watches shoes suits food cars Put them in order of priority, with the first one being the least important. Uh, first one being the least important. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's quite a quite a quite a hard question, but uh, okay. Uh, I, I'd say cars, then food, then then shoes, then suits, then watches. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Number two, favorite shoe brand. Um, I guess Baluti. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Number three, newbie mistake you can make in shoes, watches, suits, and food. Okay. Well, shoes. I think um, you don't. You know, you're not meant to really. You know, people have that. That. Uh, People have that 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 thought that you you, you know w w when you buy um you know formal leather shoes or whether it's leather loafers right that you would um need to break into them. I, I guess that's the wrong term because um um you, you meant I mean for 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 leather shoes right it's meant to feel. It's, it, I mean of course it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the most comfortable type of shoe to wear but then again, um, it has to it has 
it has to um, at least um, you know at least wrap around your feet with 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 a certain kind of comfort you know you you, you possibly i mean you wouldn't possibly buy like let's just say um a pair of balutis right um you 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 have different different uh, you know different sizes of course you know seven and a half seven seven and a half eight and of course you also have your width which is you know your the width of your feet you know whether i mean it 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 goes on different scales for each uh, you know uh for each country but of course we have e f g and all so i think i guess choosing the right size and the right fit is um quite important and you shouldn't really need to break into your shoes and um for as for watches um i feel that um well you shouldn't actually uh well you know people people have um have i mean some some people who who get into watches for the first time they, they don't know i mean yeah fine a, a, a mechanical watch is a mechanical watch uh, but there's there's automatic and there's um manual wound as well people don't understand that uh, at least for my friends who's, who 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 you know who start collecting watches and um yeah so i i guess that's probably one of the most uh, the most common mistakes people make when buying a watch, at least, f at least for my circle of friends, they they don't know what a manual wound or an automatic is. So that's quite important, I feel, because some of them they don't wind their watches. They they think that it will run, it will it will perpet um, like, you know perpetually run. Whereas you know some of the watches that they buy, it's it's a manual wound, so you probably have to wind it every uh, every sixty hours, every fifty over hours. Yeah, and when it comes to suits. Um, yeah, I mean, again, um, construction of the suit, you have, you have a full canvas suit, you have a half canvas, you have a fused suit. Uh, some people, of course, they, I don't know, I mean, some of them, I mean, it really depends on how much willing, how much money you're willing to spend on the suit. But for people who don't know about the construction of a suit, and how crucial it is um, on the fit and the drape and everything, you know, the drop. Uh, it, it's really important. So, of course, a, f a fully canvas suit, fully handmade suit, of course, would uh, be way more expensive than a fused, a, a, a fused suit. A fused suit, of course, would feel a bit more stiff, I'd say, um, It's because it's not, it's, not it's not fully canvassed. Uh, uh, yeah, so overall... That's something that uh, that most people would need to pay attention to when when choosing uh, or when wearing a new suit. For food, uh, I guess you can't really go wrong anywhere with food. I guess you, you just <laughs> just eat whatever you like, really. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Next one. Um, tell us one thing that most people don't know about you. Oh, don't know about me. Uh. While I may look um, pretty serious in most of my photos, or rather in my demeanor, uh, I'm actually quite a fun person to be around with. That's for sure. I I do have emotions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Uh, next one. I always ask a question, which is one thing that you would tell your younger self, but you aren't exactly old. So I'll rephrase it and ask one quality that you hope that you can retain when you're older. Uh, the best dress, I guess. Oh, ah, okay. 
I wouldn't want to, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to, you know, grow old and, uh, you know, go out in uh, shorts and uh, t-shirts and, uh, you know, flip-flops or whatever. I, I, I still want to retain my uh, sartorial image. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm going to just pick one. As someone that's quite active on Instagram, mm. tell us one IG page that you like that is not watch-related. Right. Um Oof, that's okay. I, I guess I would pick. I'd pick a suit. Um, I guess I'd okay. pick a suit account. Um, it would be. Um, this thing called, Ask Oki. I mean, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll do two. You know, because I I it's it's really hard to pick one, but it's it's called, Ask Okay, um, IG. So a a s k o k e y i g. So it's this. Um, it's it's a classic menswear page, um, and um, yeah, he's basically um, doing one. I mean, he's doing this very unique type of service where you know all, all of his suits are handmade by the world's first digital bespoke tailor, and you can place an order from anywhere in the world. And if you look at most of his suits, right, it's a very very classic type of fit you know in 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 the modern times and uh you know it's it's just so very unique you know you just won't find this anywhere else and i really enjoy him you know uh wearing these type of uh, garments especially uh well he he of course would uh he 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 i mean he danced to certain songs in in his um in his uh you know classically cut suits and uh yeah i i just i just enjoy that and of course, the uh, the other the other account that I would uh, um, recommend, of course, would be something called uh, where is this? Let me find it. Uh, liminal dot dreamscape. Um, it's basically like it, it's a it's a digital creator page. Um, so it's just it's just liminal spaces and you know nostalgia. So yeah, it's it's liminal. Um, L i m i n a l dot dreamscape. Um, just, I mean, these kind of things. I mean, these kind of images. When you look at it, um, I guess it it not only brings you back to the uh, the the early two thousands, I guess, but also there's an element of um, of uh, ambiguity in every picture really and that you know it's 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 a very very unique kind of um art and uh yeah i guess i I enjoy looking at it when it comes to my feed just very very unique something you don't get uh quite a lot these days okay all right and the last question of the uh pompous around in light of what you asked uh long long you know being so specific on your suits and you know very demanding on your watches and everything within your life Yep. Are you equally as demanding in your partner? What is a deal breaker for you? Deal breaker would be oof, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess. Mm, well, of course, to me, okay. I'll, I'll give two things. Well, for me, um. I would say that you know personality is very very important to me, and so number one, the personality of that person has to be 
um, well, has to be tip top, really. Um, that, that's, I mean, it's it's quite cliche, but you know, I have to say that you know, no matter how beautiful that that girl is or whatever, you know, for me, uh, if she has quite a very bad personality, then altogether she's pretty much ugly to me. Um, but okay, so if if we're gonna link that to my sartorialness and my you know my, my the ways in which I live in, uh, then I guess someone who a deal breaker, right? Someone I guess who doesn't know how to um, appreciate uh, my my fashion, I guess, or rather my the the ways in which I live my life. Oh, yeah. wow! Then, you know, um, oh, someone who would uh, someone who I don't know, someone who. Who is uh, who doesn't have proper taste in music as well? You know, uh, who, uh, someone who goes to all these uh, raves or parties or you know clubs or whatever. For me, my 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 personal music taste would be you know jazz, you know um, you know classic stuff from the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, early two thousands, and some new age music, some classical music. So just very, yeah. Basically, I'm I'm just saying that if she's not very. Uh, She's not very so funny because you're so peacefully to cultured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't <laughs> want, like, I don't want, I don't want bot accounts on my, uh, my IG. You know, uh, you know, and or, or you know, message requests. You know, sending me death threats and all. You know, I've got to be very diplomatic. Uh, you know, in, 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 uh, in my answer as well. But yeah, you get someone who's not tastefully cultured. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Youngwen. That went by very quickly. Um, only got through half the questions, actually. I hope you enjoyed your time. How was it for you? It was excellent. I mean, it was. It was it's my. I mean, it was, my, it was one of my first. Um, you know, uh, interviews really. Uh, that that's uh, you know, an, an informal interview. Let's just say done online, and uh, I uh, certainly did enjoy myself. Yeah, and I hope we could. Uh, we can definitely, I mean, all, all of us meet up in the future, having a cigar together uh, and really just uh, spending more time like, like this, really. Yeah. That's very kind so, of you. Okay, guys. Where can all the single ladies find you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cultured. Cultured. Yeah, cultured. Cultured. Yeah. Cultured. <laughs> well, well. Um, they can find them at the salon. Um, I'd probably be um, in a in a very I don't know actually. You know, I I, I usually go to one one um, you know one whiskey and cigar place over here <laughs> at St. Regis. Yeah, <laughs> just that one place. <laughs> No modern music. All right. You, you don't get. You don't get like you know scantily dressed girls there or whatever. You know, just just very proper there. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll see you guys on the next one, and I'll see you soon, Young Wen. Take care. Bye. Thank you. I'll see you. See you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. As always, thank you for listening to the waiting list podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at The Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.